Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gagan Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll go over the Bundesliga results from the weekend. This is match day 23. On Friday night, we see Werder Bremen 1, Stuttgart 1. Going into Saturday, we see Bayern keeping the pressure at the top of the 1-0 win over Hertha Berlin. Borussia Mönchengladbach 0, Wolfsburg 3, Freiburg 5. Osberg 1, Mainz 3, Schalke 0. Then on Sunday, we've seen Hanover 0, Eintracht Frankfurt 3, Dortmund, yes, a much-needed win, 3-2 over Leverkusen. And then on Monday night, RB Leipzig 1, Hoffenheim 1. So, match day 23 is done and dusted. Joining me on the podcast, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how are you today? I'm tired, Bryce. It's Monday night as we record this um, and the Monday night game's finished and it was 1-1. It wasn't particularly good and I just don't like Monday night games. No, not many people um, associated with German football do like the Monday night games, do they? And us podcasting so late on a Monday, yeah, it's it's not really our favourite either. But joining us uh, as well from Germany is last night in Germany is Manu Vetz. Manu, how are you? Yeah, like you guys, it's one hour later over here. Um, yeah, I can't wait for 2021 when those Monday games are finally over. And this one seemed particularly pointless because neither Leipzig and Hoffenheim are playing in Europe and we don't even have uh, European games for another 10 days or so. So I, I really don't get the scheduling for this one. Yeah, is it on the TV, right? Is there only so many games on a Sunday or... What 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 do you think the predict the reason is for that? We were originally told it was to give teams that play in Europe rest. Um as I said, Hoffenheim and Leipzig are no longer in Europe, so you go try to figure that one out for me because I can't. No. <laughs> no, just to, anyway, let's let's just forget that conversation completely. We're we're second off of the Monday night games. So let's go back to Friday night uh, and talk a little bit about uh, Werner Bremen won, Stuttgart won. Um, not much luck really for uh, Stuttgart at the moment, is there, Chris? Um, they just can't seem to well, get a victory. They haven't got a victory uh, since mid-December uh, and can't claw their way out of that bottom four. No, they can't. And Unfortunately, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think that um, they're now going to be welded 
um, into that tight uh, sorry title that's what they think or they wish even um into a relegation battle and it's moving more and more away from the teams above them and it's going to be really hard for them to to catch anyone around them i'm pretty much thinking that Manu and i are going to be going to stuttgart i don't know you can either drive or we'll get a train and, and then we'll go to berlin that sounds about right that, that sounds like a very good plan although I'm shuddering to think about the amazing buffet that they have in Stuttgart. Well, everybody likes pretzels and coffee with no milk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is, is that all you guys think about when it comes to this kind of thing? Actually, yeah. I know the answer to that. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, no, never mind. Anyway, um, Manu, do you have, well, do you see Stuttgart possibly climbing out of this uh, situation? I mean, Chris has kind of pointed towards it we've kind of pointed towards it the last few weeks haven't we that it is a very much a bottom four uh, battle at the moment and Stuttgart don't seem to be able to improve the situation but to be honest not really anyone seems to be improving it they did go one nil up and a point is better than none but it it, it does look like Stuttgart are going to struggle to finish anywhere but 16th at the moment yeah I, I think that's pretty much bang on Bryce you you look at this particular game and it's against the Werder Bremen side that play very good football but have have struggled with results bar the uh, cup game right so they're kind of stuck in the middle of the table a little bit and I think I I think this would have been a good opportunity for Stuttgart to get three points and one point in the area that they're in is really not enough right now no not at all. Uh, I suppose that one consolation that we can touch on, Chris, is that Osberg got an absolute pasting uh, from Mainz on Saturday. That 5-1 drubbing. Um, things really don't look very good uh, for Osberg either, do they? Well, they've, um, they've looked okay the last uh, few weeks at times. They've played some very good football, but... Yeah, the the wheels came off the bus, as Manu likes to say, this particular match day. Um, and yeah, that two-point gap, it could have been a lot better, couldn't it, for, for Augsburg. But I still think that they've probably done just about enough to, to make themselves safe. I haven't really seen anything of Stuttgart that would make me think they can they can pull themselves out, which is quite strange because if you look at the side that they put out, I mean, there are some... Really good players in there. Pavard was in there. Um, Zila, I think, is a very good goalkeeper. Look at their midfield. They've got um, they've got Zuba, Castro, um, Inshua. So they got Mario Gomez on top. S Vine is also a good attacker. They the people they've got on the bench. Um, it's it's very strange uh, why they're not doing any better. And I don't think we can throw all the problem at Marcus um, Vinesil's door either. It's just. All the sum of the parts should be greater than what they're doing, and and it's not. Um, it's very strange one for me. Maybe they need to drop down a division again and and sort themselves out. And I think top to bottom, and they've already started doing that. But maybe they need to do it on a on a level playing field where at the moment, no matter who they change, they've changed the uh, the head coach. They've also now changed the sporting director. Um, I think they need to do it in in a league where they have themselves a fighting chance. And unfortunately for Stuttgart, it's not going to be in the top league. Yeah, they're almost a little bit like a mini Chelsea, Chris. They're uncoachable. I mean, they they, re, they replace a coach every year. Even the year that they got promoted uh, in Bundesliga 2, they changed the coach in that, that division as well. And then last year, they had a very talented coach in Hannes Wolf, 
um, who's currently guiding Hamburg, right? And they changed him as well, even though they weren't necessarily in relegation danger at the time. So it's it's almost like an uncoachable side. Yeah, I think the Hannes Wolf was, I mean, we looked back on that. I think we said on the podcast at the time, it was a very strange decision. Um, and, well, I don't think it's going to haunt them because would he have done any better? Probably not because the way they've changed head coaches, it's it's a strange one. It's They're a very strange entity Stuttgart because they should be doing a lot better. If you even look at some of the players they've got on, on their bench, you would think, well, oh, they should get into a starting 11 occasionally at other places. And, and the, I'd say the 11 they put out, I mean, even at Werder Bremen, you probably could have expected them to get more than they did. As you quite rightly said, you don't know what you're going to get with Bremen. Um, you, you can either get a fantastic performance or a poor performance. But the Stuttgart one, they almost play in like a side that know they're down, but aren't at the very bottom, which I find strange. Last year, Hamburg were dreadful. Um, and I think round about this time that Hamburg were playing like they were relegated already. Um, and maybe Stuttgart have got that mentality, but they're not there. They're still in that area. Let's, I think I made the mistake in saying that Mainz beat Oldsburg 5-1, but it was actually Freiburg. My apologies. But uh, Manny, I, I mean, you'll probably have enjoyed this result more than most people. Uh, but I mean, it, it does look like if Stuttgart are going to stay in the Bundesliga uh, be there next year. It, it's going to be that battle with Osberg. And I mean, Osberg finished 12th last season, you know, quite respectable. And they played some good football at times, but this this year really does look like the wheels have completely come off. Um, and they, they seem to be struggling to get out of this situation as well. The, both teams, you know, when, when one side slips up, the other one doesn't seem to be taking advantage. Yeah, that result is, is a bit of a strange one, Bryce, because um, I, of course, saw Augsburg last week, right, against Bayern in, in, a, in a game that I thought they were playing very well. And um, they they were they got very close to getting a result against Bayern. And to get hammered like that, <laughs> the, the wheels literally came off in that one. 5-1, that's... That's rough, and it's 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 a, a result that is not quite explainable because you basically go from an up where they play very well against Bayern to this performance, and I think it suggests that not maybe not everything is well with head coach Manuel Baum either, and it really shows that there's almost like a little bit of a gap between the bottom four teams and everyone else in that league, right? I mean, you look at Freiburg now; they are pretty much out of that relegation battle. It really, I mean, for Stuttgart, is so lucky that despite them only having 16 points Augsburg with just 18 they can they can still catch Augsburg I mean there is a chance that that relegation playoff game will be in Augsburg rather than Stuttgart not that it will make a huge difference between for me and Chris because the two cities are only an hour apart but it it, it is still close because they both can't get get themselves out of the situation and I don't think it helps that I mean I remember I mean it wasn't that long ago it was it was only the start of this month when they battered Mainz, who hadn't been playing particularly well themselves of, of late. Um, but Fing Bonneton scored that brilliant hat-trick, or he, you know, he netted that hat-trick. And I thought, oh, maybe they've turned a corner. And they went out the very next week and were pumped 4-0 by Werder Bremen. And you're thinking, oh, no, actually, they look just as bad. And then the next match day after that, they just about get beat by Bayern Munich. In fact, they take the lead inside of 13 seconds. Manny, you quite rightly said you were there. Um it's just there's no consistency apart from a lack of consistency. 
Yeah, um, it, it seems to be quite surprising, doesn't it? The, uh, the the turn that they've had this season. Uh, one, as I said, that maybe Manu and other Bundesliga fans uh, seem to be enjoying a little bit more than other sides. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about Schalke as well. And again. Th- Really not had a very good season at all, have they, Chris? And we see them lose again this weekend, 3-0 to Mainz. I mean, that's a bit of a shock as well. I mean, they have had a poor season, but to lose 3-0 against Mainz, that's that, that that's a, a very bad performance as well, especially after a rather uplifting performance against Man City during the week. Yeah, this game sort of took me by surprise because... The way that Schalke played against Manchester City in the Champions League, I thought they were very good. Okay, um, they scored two goals without having a shot on target because of the penalties, but um, they still they still took the lead against Manchester City, who are a fantastic side, and there's people all over the world raving about them. And um, City sort of fell apart a little bit, and Schalke were able to to you know take them take them apart after City had fallen apart, and I think. Manchester City saw the class at the end of it, but for them to go out this week and and lose three nil and put in the type of performance they did, it's just very strange. Um, I did think that Domenico Tedesco maybe might have gone this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that he hasn't, but um, the writing can't be um, far away from being on the wall for him. I mean, the ultra groups um, left the stadium early. Archie Reintut did a great tweet um, from there. It's a great thread. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But fans were unhappy and they left before the end of uh, a fixture, which is unheard of in in German football, unless there's something seriously wrong. And I think we can take it from that, that there is discontent in Schalke and in Gelskirchen, all to do with how poor the team are playing. And yeah, I just fail to see how they can play well one week and then fall apart the next. Um, I would maybe say he's, he's not lost the dressing room, but the tactics, he's far too defensive for me. Um, in a league that's very exciting, open and attacking, he's, he looks to to play it safe. And I don't know, maybe you can do that in the in the second league with, um, with our, but I don't think you can do it with Schalke. I genuinely don't think he'll last much longer, Bryce. If he's there by the time um, that we're in Germany in in early May for the last couple of match days, I'll be very, very surprised. He could be a spring casualty. Chris, it's actually kind of interesting that Schalke under Domenico Tedesco finished second last year. And last year was the only time, it was only the second time in the history um, that the Bundesliga was not the top scoring league in Europe. Right. Yeah, and yeah, and I think those two fit because I think they finished last year um, second because the teams around them were having a particularly poor season. Dortmund, obviously, um, Leipzig had been pulled into European competition that they weren't a hundred percent sure of. I, I think they took advantage of the teams around them being poor, and what they did do, Schalke last season, was win games one nil or two one, but it wasn't the best performance. I think. If you download any of the podcasts that we've done last season, you'll hear us say Schalke are doing well, but they're not very exciting. Well, they're not this season. They're not doing very well at all. And they're still not very exciting. Yeah, I would almost say they did well, but 
they were bad. <laughs> they were yeah, a bad team to watch. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, they're, well, I mean, I was there for their game against Hertha Berlin, and you know, that's ninety minutes of my life. Uh, you know, I've not got back yet. Well, that's it. And talking at how poor they have been, they've picked up two points in the last possible eighteen points. Uh, really not good enough. They haven't won since the first game uh, since play resumed after the winter break. Uh, plenty of pressure on Tedesco, but. Uh, Manu, if if we talk about Tedesco possibly leaving now or maybe leaving in the summer, um, the sporting director is another area that they are going to have to replace in the summer. Yeah, maybe even earlier. Christian Heidel he announced his um, he announced that he would be stepping down at the end of the season. That news, that piece of news broke during the game against Mainz. <laughs> so. It's been something that has been coming. There's there's a few rumors that he could actually return to Mainz and become president there. Um, and it's it's telling that you know it, there was a great scene where he where he walked onto into the stadium, the Opel Arena in Mainz, and almost sat down on the wrong bench. And uh, people were saying, well, he's already you know he's already quit his job at Schalke and uh, getting ready to return to Mainz. We'll see if that's true. But I think it's it's interesting that he took the responsibility and stepped down because he could have also just set out his contract and gotten himself fired and taken the the money that is owned to him, right? Um, by him stepping down, that's no longer the case. And it, it means that um, Schalke can use the money that is owned to him to invest into the squad. And it it, it is such a strange one to me because um, Schalke have, they are top 20 club in Europe. This is something that we have to remember financially and uh, standing-wise. They're the third largest club in membership in Germany. They are a club that spends the third most money in German football on salary, on player salaries. And when you look at the product on the pitch, uh, the players that are playing for Schalke, you don't quite understand what they're paying the money for. And I think, unfortunately, as good of a job that Christian Heidel did at Mainz for many, many years, where he's discovered coaches like Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp, who's familiar to a lot of our listeners, was discovered by Christian Heidel. You, he just could not get that magic going at Schalke. Um, there was that, of course, that one year, but we have to remember the year before they finished second in the league. They also had a, a year to forget under Markus Weinzierl. So this, I think in three years to finish once in the Champions League with your club, with a transfer policy, uh, because of your transfer policy, it's just not good enough. Schalke should be a club that should be playing in the Champions League every year. And I mean, they're definitely not going to be in the Champions League next year. So, yeah, it's it, it it's telling. And I think it's the, the only positive that comes out of this for, for Heidel is that he took the responsibility and stepped down. And Chris, we, we talked about them having a rather positive result uh, midweek against Man City, a game that none of us give them any chance in, in hell of winning. Uh, and you know, they, they were five minutes from the 90 from doing that. This 3-2 loss, uh, does that give them any type of hope going into the, uh, the away leg? Um, I, I mean, do you see th- that there's any positives that they could cause an upset? <laughs> no, um, and and I laugh rather facetiously there because Manchester City scored three away goals. Um, I watched them put out what I think we could call a second string against Hoffenheim, and they still won convincingly. 
Um, and that second string, by the way, isn't a second string. It's loaded full of, of international players and, and promising starlets. Um, so, no, there is no positives. I cannot see them getting any sort of positive result um, inside the Etihad. And by that, I mean a draw. Um, I, I cannot see them winning. I think they will be lucky if they don't get absolutely battered, like 4-5-6-0. Looking at Manchester City side, who, who put six and seven past teams um, in the English Domestic Cup uh, and are on the verge of, of battering somebody in Europe. And unfortunately for Schalke, they're going to roll into Manchester in a bad vein of form. And I think the only thing they could hope for is that Pep Guardiola's happy with three away goals um, and, and wants to rotate. If he doesn't, if he thinks, actually, we're going to play a strong side, um, then they could be in trouble. But I think Schalke, and Manu and I spoke about this um, off the pod the other day, I think Schalke have to be thankful that the four teams below them are absolutely dreadful, especially the bottom two, Nuremberg and Hanover, are woeful. Um, because if they weren't, I think Schalke could be occupying that 16th slot. Um, and the gap between um, themselves and Freiburg now is is increasing. And if they don't watch out, and this is where I think it could be a problem for them, if they do get battered in Manchester, that um, that gap between 18 and 23 points could, could shrink, especially if Augsburg pull themselves together and, and smell a little bit of blood. But I think Domenico Tedesco can be thankful that the, the teams below him are, are quite frankly dreadful. There, there was a shot of Domenico Tedesco um, on television on and they, they focused in on his face just after City scored that first goal and he looked he looked aged. Um he looked so tired. Um this the, the the color completely drained out of his face. I think that the situation is really getting at him and you have we have to remember how young of a coach he is and now the sporting director stepping down in a very difficult situation might be gone very soon it's getting a little lonely around him as well as a figure and maybe in some regards that isn't quite fair it almost he almost needs someone who helps him um with the situation that's happening in Schalke right now I don't think he's going to get that money I think they're going to get sporting director or sporting directors as a team come in and they'll want to make their own changes and I think unfortunately for Tedesco he might be the first change they make and then they get a manager that's going to play football the Schalke way, which is normally exciting football, by the way. Look back over the, the years when they were in the Champions League um, and, and they were playing sides like Real Madrid and scoring fantastic goals and, and playing really high-energy brand of football that was interesting to watch. I mean, it is just such a difference from, from what we're seeing at the moment. And I think if Schalke are going to bring new people in, which obviously they are either uh, in the summer or before... Um, I think if they come in beforehand, the writing could be on the wall very quickly for him because they'll want to snap up whoever's available before they're, before they're taken by anybody else. Oh, yeah, and you're absolutely right because those people are going to be, from the sounds of it, uh, Michael Reschke was fired at, at Stuttgart recently and Bold, who left uh, Leverkusen and the two worked together at Leverkusen for many, many years, signed all those South Americans, um, put together teams that were very exciting to watch you know, which is exactly the kind of brand of football that Schalke, Schalke fans in particular want back. I mean, we had now games this season where the arena of Schalke was not sold out. This, that, that's unheard of. That never happens. You know, the Ruhrpott is such a football-graced area. You, you do not not go to football games on a Saturday, Sunday. Um, 
and that in that regard i think you you're quite right 100 percent. i mean if it is bold and reshke i think they will want to bring in a coach that plays aggressive style football you know someone like someone like even like schmidt who was at uh leverkusen for a while right that, that plays that high press and um, not saying that is going to who's going to come in but i'm saying someone like that who plays that really attacking style of football well in talking that um, schalke may want somebody that is a bit more attacking uh, a bit more uh, adventurous when it comes to the uh, the tactics um just to put a question to both of you um, very quickly, um, and we'll go to Chris first. Um, it, we, we've seen, obviously, Peter Bosk um, is enjoying his time at Bayer Leverkusen, and we said that maybe, you know, time will tell uh, whether Leverkusen is a better fit uh, for him uh, and his style of football. Is there anywhere that you see Tedesco possibly in the uh, Bundesliga that would be a better fit for him, whether it's the players or just would be happy to have that kind of defensive coach in place. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I th- genuinely, I think he could probably benefit from dropping down um, and taking one of the sides in Bundesliga 2. And, and I don't mean one of the current top four, because uh, don't forget, he did quite well with um, our, um, saved them from relegation. And he's such a young coach. You know, everyone's going to be Julian Nagelsmann, who hits the ground running and, and can... You know, make it look so easy. There's going to be a lot of times when young coaches need all the help they can get. Andre Schubert's another coach who has had to drop down in order to to gain more experience and and gain more tactical knowledge, and hasn't been able to cut it really in in the main league. And you know, Tedesco's only young; he's got loads of time left to manage. You're 35, 40 years, maybe even left um, with, with people growing older and the likes of Pizarro playing till he's 40, uh, till he's you know now 40 managers or coaches are going to be older even still so he has got a lot of time not writing him off I'm just saying that I think Schalke is too big a club for him and you know if we look at the moment even the 18 sides that are in the division even with the bottom three being terrible I still think he could do with dropping down a division I think going down to three league would be way too far for him I think he's a better head coach than that I just think he needs to spend um, some time maybe in, in, a, in a side that would be mid-table in Bundesliga 2 for two, three, four, five seasons and then step up again. Manu, what about you? Do you see there being any side in the Bundesliga currently that would be a better fit for Tedesco? Well, that, that's a very difficult question. I think that he that he is a Bundesliga caliber coach. But if you want, if you want to have success, defensive football, of course, is, is important and one of the big questions that we had is he going to be able to make that step from just playing defensive football to develop the side into that next level um you don't finish second one year and um you know then all of a sudden drop down to bundesliga 2 but at the same time maybe an ambitious bundesliga 2 side a team that has I mean, can win lots of games where he can play around a little bit and um then make the jump back up uh, to the Bundesliga with that team, kind of growing with that team. So, um, I mean, that depends who is going to be in the Bundesliga 2 next year. But I think that might might not even be a bad idea. Or, you know, a team that is fighting against relegation in the Bundesliga that needs a more defensive approach. Although I can't think of any team um, that has had success in the relegation battle just playing defensive football. 
No, it is a difficult one, isn't it? You then need some type of uh, proven goal scorer up there to get the goals, even if you are keeping it tight at the back. Um, guys, let's talk a little bit about possibly, you could say, another surprise uh, result in Wolfsburg uh, beating Borussia Mönchengladbach 3 0. Uh, just not so long ago, it felt like we were talking about Borussia Mönchengladbach being in a potential, maybe, um, title race as well with. Uh, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Um, no, that's uh, three games that went without a win. And um, Chris, uh, that would probably signal, if it wasn't already um, slim chance anyway, any title ambitions being completely over. Um, but what exactly has happened? Um, Dieter Hacking and his men at the moment, they're, they're, they're just not able to, to get a win in any shape or form. Well, it's unfortunate for Gladbach, and, and teams will go through a bad patch, but it's how you respond um, from when you're in a bad patch. And at the moment, they don't look like they can uh, respond from that. They can't even buy a draw at the moment, can they? Um, and this was a very odd result, although Wolfsburg have, have been playing a lot better. I think Bruno Labbadier has done wonders this season, especially if you look where they were the last couple of seasons in a relegation playoff. But Gladbach, a, a Gladbach in, and for as long as I can remember, Bryce, you don't know what you're going to get. It's another side, there's, there's quite a few in Germany, but Gladbach, one one weekend they can play sumptuous football, front to back, very quick break in. You've got the likes of Stindl and Hazard there. I mean, you've got Kramer in the middle, Ginter who can set up the play very quickly. Even um, Jan Sommer can start the, from the back and... and you know, throw it out or, or look long and look wide to to make a fast attack. And it's just all gone a little bit pear-shaped for them. Um, let's not forget, you know, they're still in, in good position, really, to to keep hold of that Champions League place, although they're going to have to start improving um, their results if they want to keep that, because now Wolfsburg uh, are, are in fifth and are looking like they could make that if not fourth slot, maybe even creep up a little bit to third. But it's going to be difficult for Gladbach, and I don't really know what to say to make it better because they might go out next week and, and win 3-0. You just don't know. You do not know what you're going to get with Gladbach, which I think is why I like watching them because it's a surprise. It's like, you know, when you... Um, I don't know if you ever did Harvest Festival years ago and used to hand tins out and some of the labels came off and you didn't know what you're going to get. Was it soup or was it sweet corn? It's like a surprise for dinner and that's what Gladbach watching Gladbach is. It's a surprise each time. I, I can't get over the, the can comparison, but uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, Manu, I suppose with uh, Gladbach being inconsistent, um, RB Leipzig are obviously catching them, um, especially after getting another point in the Monday night game. But before we uh, even speak about that, um, let's speak about Wolfsburg. Um, as Chris mentioned, you know, the, the hell of a difference in that side compared to previous years. And you have three wins out of the last four unbeaten in their last four. They, they are climbing the table. Things are looking very positive. Yeah, you're saying um, you're talking about Leipzig potentially catching catching Gladbach. Um, they did get a point. Um, before we don't want to give away too much, but you know Wolfsburg are catching Gladbach. Um, that's that's one thing that I think that Gladbach has to worry about at this stage is to, to just hang on to that top four spot because it's only five points at the moment, and that's not a lot. So. 
Wolfsburg, <laughs> believe it or not, they could be one of those sides that could be in the end of the day in a Champions League spot. And I think the bottom line is this this is probably a spot where they should have been given the amount of money that they have been spending in all those years under Klaus Alofs. And all of a sudden, um, after two years in the relegation playoffs, they, they find themselves on the verge of the Champions League. And that's that's a remarkable turnaround in itself. And I think a lot of this is due. And I, I think we saw some of this already towards the end of last season is uh, Bruno Labbadia, who for some odd reason, I think he's, he's a coach who's, he's a very good coach. He's one of the better coaches in this league, but um, had has been a bit unlucky picking teams um where he wasn't very regarded very well i mean he was the last he was the last coach um to not be in relegation trouble of hamburg the same true of stuttgart but both times the ambitions of the clubs didn't meet expectations or didn't meet reality and he was the first victim in, in both cases and so i think in wolfsburg there's very little danger of that because with jörg schmott he has an excellent sporting director um and it looks like he's really steadied the chip now and of course he his contract is up soon and um, there has been rumors him link, being linked to Schalke. So I think Wolfsburg would do very well at this stage to make sure to keep Bruno Labbadia because I remember going with Chris to that relegation uh, game against Holstein Kiel and Wolfsburg were miles ahead and they actually played very good football in that game. And I think you could really tell already at this stage this was Bruno Labbadia's doing because as I said earlier with Tedesco, Bruno Labbadia didn't approach a relegation battle by playing defensive football. He actually tries to play good football and his side is doing that this year. Yeah, fantastic job being done there at Wolfsburg. Uh, Gladbach, who we mentioned um, being off form and being beaten by Wolfsburg, will face Bayern Munich next. So that'll be a tricky one. Funny enough, Wolfsburg played them the game after. But um, speaking of Bayern Munich... Manu, it's it's been a very good week for Bayern, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has been an excellent week. I mean, uh, Chris can can talk about the game in Liverpool. I thought that uh, first of all, um, Bayern in particular, um, I think destroyed any expectations that anyone in around this planet. I mean, this was probably the most anticipated game on this planet um, had about it because we all expected everyone just everyone expected six, seven, eight goals spread over the two teams and. Yeah, we got nil, and um, I thought that was that was quite interesting because that was this first first clean sheet in 2019, and they did exactly the same against Hertha. I thought that they defensively they were very very solid against a very good Hertha Berlin side. This Hertha Berlin side played well even when they were a man down, and it, it's almost it's almost funny how how things sometimes happen in football because. Um, Remember Harvey Martinez, he was the player that everyone thought is going to leave the club and all of a sudden Leon Goretzka has an injury and Niko Kovac is forced to play Harvey Martinez and he pulls out 180 minutes that could define this entire club's season and he's off the trading block, he's off off the transfer list. He he now they're talking about that he's the, exactly the kind of player that they need, that they play, the player that will make the difference for them going forward for the rest of the season. And if the season is a success, it might come down to the fact that Leon Goretzka got hurt the day off the Liverpool game and forced Kovac to put in Javi Martinez in that central midfield role. And voila, they had they had stability. Um, that I think is is 
probably a story that only football can tell in some ways because where else do you have that right where someone just gets hurt the day of the most important event in their life and it changes everything um for the club for the people everything yeah it does seem to happen um every so often doesn't it uh, more than you would expect uh, but Chris, um, we'll go to you. Obviously, you were at this game uh, watching it very closely. Uh, as Manu said, you nobody had predicted it um, finishing nil nil. Um, a good result for Bayern in the end, wasn't it? Uh, to to shut out Liverpool at home. Yeah, it was. It was a very good result. And defensively, I thought they played the best I've seen them play all season. And maybe it was a little bit. Um, more of the old style of Kovacs that we saw. He's obviously drilled his players on the training pitch to to play a defensive um, type away. I think for them to limit this Liverpool side to three shots on target, um, I think was was a remarkable achievement. Um, although in Liverpool had the chances, Sadio Mane should have really scored um, midway through the first half. He, Looked to be offside, but he was onside and, and, and he missed his shot. Mohamed Salah had a chance on the back post um, and really should have done better. But on the night, Liverpool were, were nullified. Their, their attack was nullified. Um, Bayern went very close to getting a um, an away goal um, via Joel Matip. Good job that Alisson was in goal or uh, Liverpool would have leaked a goal or Good job for me, <laughs> not for our Bayern Munich fan listeners. Um, but yeah, Liverpool fan glasses off and Bundesliga journalist hat on. Uh, I thought Bayern played um, really, really well. I thought James Rodriguez um, was was back to his best. Uh, I thought Thiago and Martinez in that in the central roles, the you know the two double pivots. I thought they were excellent. Um, and I was chatting to Manu. As the, as the game was going on um, on WhatsApp, that come the end of it, I was really stuck between Hummels, Martinez, and Thiago about who was the man in the match. What with um, Martinez in the end, but Mats Hummels criticised of late uh, poor performances. I thought he had a really solid game. Um, even Kingsley Coman, who was injured, was he injured? Was he not injured? Even um, he was able to play. I thought a decent a decent part. I thought he had 80, 80 minutes of good football. Um, I thought Serge Gnabry played well. Robert Lewandowski just fed off scraps, but I think that was maybe Bayern's match plan to suffocate and to stifle Liverpool and, and maybe grab one on the break to take back to the Allianz. But it's it set up now for a very entertaining second leg. And I think it was a, a positive result for Bayern mindset because they went out and, and obviously won on the weekend uh, the game that Manu was also at. Yeah, and, you know, to, to kind of build on what you just said, Chris, I think that that result in Liverpool really helped them because all of a sudden that defensive stability was there. And I think someone we haven't mentioned at all and who really was helped by it is Manuel Neuer. And this this is one thing that I've noticed. Um, everyone in the world talks about Alisson and his foot, footballing skills, but when you saw how deep Liverpool pressed Bayern, and what Manuel Neuer did in the danger areas, and I, I looked at his pass completion, it was close to 80% in some unbelievable situations. And Hertha did exactly the same as Liverpool. They pressed him really deep. It's almost unbelievable how good of a football player Manuel Neuer is. I think that that's second to none. He's almost like a holding midfielder, but he plays this holding midfield role if he has to two yards outside the, the, the line that, you know, if the ball goes across that, that's a goal. 
and he does it like that it, it's no problem and i thought um i haven't seen much of that in the first half of the season and that's now back and i think that is going to be a massive thing for bayern the fact that they have manuel neuer playing football again um that is like an extra player on the field and I think there is no one in the world that comes even close to it. When Manuel Neuer is on form and has that kind of power playing ability, there's no one else in the world that can do it under the same amount of pressure. Yeah, I think it's very hard to fault uh, at all uh, any of the Bayern def- defence um, against Liverpool and, and Neuer, you know, for a lot of us saying, you know, he hasn't really looked himself and the injuries, will that play into it? He, he, he was very impressive. And as from what I recall, that was the most amount of touches he's ever had in a Champions League game. Uh, so it just goes to show you how um, how confident he was just to receive that ball. Uh, Chris, uh, just a final note on the Champions League game. Um, I mean, obviously Bayern will play at home next. So we will touch on it a bit further, I suppose, closer to the time. But should they be concerned about the away goals? Or do you think this is in their favour? Statistics would suggest that it is in their favour. It's a very good question, Bryce. Um, Jurgen Klopp said in his post-match press conference that maybe this result for Liverpool doesn't look particularly good, but over the next few days it will start to feel better. And I think maybe, however a good result it was for Bayern, I think maybe now they might think themselves, well, actually, Liverpool have got to come. We have to score, um, which will play into Liverpool's hands because in this match at Anfield, Bayern were very happy to sit back, but now they'll have to go and look and score it, and that does play into Liverpool's strengths. I think it was quite telling that Liverpool were happy to knock the ball around at the back between Matip, Fabinho um, and Alisson, and and that was in order to bring um, Bayern's midfield forward, and for about 20 minutes they fell for it, and I think Kovac got instructions out to his team to just let Liverpool have that ball. Liverpool were trying to to get them into a false press. I don't know if you saw um, a goal that um, Hoshton Kiel scored at um, Madaberg the other week where they, in essence, fannied around with the ball at the back, which fans don't like to see. But what it did is it created a false counter-attack, and that's what Liverpool were looking to do because Bayern were happy to let them have the ball. They wanted the likes of Coman and Gnabry and Hammers to push forward, which meant then that uh, Martinez and Thiago had to move forward slightly and then Liverpool would look to hit them quickly. They would force a counter-attack. Um, I hope I've explained that well enough um, about what, what, what I saw. Um, and if Bayern have to attack and they have to play football, that will play into Liverpool's hands. But... I mean, if you're a uh, if you're a supporter of any side and you have to win a home game in order to progress to the Champions League, you would fancy that no matter who you are, whether you're Bayern, whether you're Dortmund, whether you're even Schalke. If you've just got to win at home, you would you would take that option. I think you've got to be wary of who they're playing. Uh, it's going to be. I know we said the first leg would be fascinating, and in fact, it was it was pretty dull on the whole. Unless you're a big fan of defending, and it was fantastic football. I'm a fan of attacking football, and I think we'll see this in the second leg. Don't ask me which way I think it's going to go because it's going to be who's down to playing the best on that night, and it's going to be 90 enjoyable minutes for um, a neutral, which I'm certainly not, and a vast majority of our listeners. Your Bayern fans won't be neutral, so I think we're going to have a roller coaster night. Long answer, Bryce. Sorry. No, not a problem. Uh, we will be talking about that closer to the time as well. But um, 
as Chris said, Manu, uh, you were there at the game uh, at the weekend. They won 1-0 against uh, Hertha. Um, Javi Martinez, as you pointed out, you know, got that goal for them. And they're just keeping that pressure on Dortmund, aren't we? We're, we're not exactly spoiling anything as we revealed the score was 3-2, and we'll talk about that shortly. But they're just keeping that pressure on, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the the one worry maybe that they have going forward is the... Kingsley Coman's uh, situation, he's he's expected to be out for two weeks. Um, maybe too, too premature to say he will be out for the Liverpool game. Um, but he will be out for the games against Gladbach and Wolfsburg. And those are going to be two very tough opponents. Uh, remember, Gladbach beat Bayern 3-0 at the return at the Allianz Arena. So this game is actually in uh, Borussia, in, in Mönchengladbach. So that's going to be a tough opponent and Wolfsburg are certainly not the pushovers that they were the last few years. So they, they had to keep the pressure on. And I think they were really hoping that Leverkusen and Peter Bosch would, would do them a favor here, uh, this weekend. And as you said, they did not. But, um, I, I, what I noticed in, in the mixed zone after this game, Bryce, is Serge Knabi rocked straight through. He said he, he was exhausted. Um, a lot of the players seemed very tired. I think. And Nico Kovac alluded to this much as well in the press conference where he said it's it's very hard work to go to Liverpool, play 90 minutes of very intense football and then play against the Hertha side. And this Hertha side is a good team. They're a very, very good team this year and, and basically faced the exact same thing again. Hertha was pressing up so far high, far up the pitch that um, they, Bayern, for Bayern to get the result that they did was very hard work and... Um, but they have to put in this kind of work rate right now. It's not easy for them. The last few years, they always had it easy. They didn't have to. They they were able to rotate the side, bring in some youngsters. They can't do this right now, which means they have to play key players every week. And I think that is something quite new to them. And you, you can tell um, at the club, they're quite happy. They're getting the results now, but it, every game seems hard work for them. And um, that is very, very different. Um, a very, very different experience for them as well. And I think an experience that they're still getting used to. Yeah, absolutely. Some difficult uh, victories for them. Victories, even if that means going away to Liverpool and getting a draw in that sense. But um, I, I, Manu, you, you also mentioned that uh, Bayern have been talking transfers once again. Well, what exactly is going on there? Yeah, Uli Hoeneß was uh, the, a guest at the very popular Monday, uh, Sunday morning television show called Doppelpass, and he spoke quite openly about a bunch of things, um, including a statement, and I mean, this is now all over the news, um, that Bayern have already signed a bunch of players and that the, the rest of the league is going to make big eyes when they see who they've already landed Um you know, the speculations are now going crazy, of course. I mean, one of the names that he, he also dropped the fact that Lucas Hernandez, because uh, they asked about a wingback, he said, well, Lucas Hernandez and Pavard can play there. So I guess that's one that's a, we know about Pavard already, but I guess that's another name that's kind of dropped there. Um, and then, of course, people are speculating, is it going to be another striker coming in, a midfielder, etc.? Um, five to six players overall. Uh, a lot of money spent. I think um, it's going to be quite interesting to see who Bayern in the end signed. I think one player that we kind of have to take off the list a little bit is um, Callum Hudson-Odoi because of the whole situation that Chelsea find themselves in. Um, 
among others, there's the whole transfer ban, but then there's everything else. I think if you don't know what I'm alluding to, you haven't been on Twitter or Facebook or in the news in general. But um, that is one that they maybe can chalk off as maybe not getting. But yeah, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see who these names are, uh, the players that Hernes has alluded to. Yeah, we'll just have to see who comes in for Bayern, but uh, very much uh, changing times for them in the next few months with that aging squad. Um, Chris, let's go into the Sunday games. Uh, a very strong victory for Eintracht Frankfurt, 3-0 away from home uh, to Hanover. Um, Eintracht hadn't been able to buy a win um, in the last few weeks in the league and now they're back to winning ways at long last, a great victory for them Yes it was and three key players scoring their goals, obviously Rebic, Jovic and Kostic um, three I think are fabulous players um, and Frankfurt are littered with fabulous players at the moment and I'm glad that they won Bryce because I was concerns probably the wrong word but I was getting maybe a little bit touch and go about how how are they going to get on this season can they improve on you know the the position they're in at the moment i think with with Wolfsburg doing so well it's going to be difficult for them but they're still within touching distance of leipzig in that fourth place um and it was just nice to see them them get back to winning ways against well pretty much one of the worst sides I've, I've seen in, in recent times um, in Germany. So I think it was unsurprising. Um, maybe the most surprising part was that we got to half-time and it was nil-nil. But after that, I think Frankfurt's class really shone completely through. And I hope now this gives them um, a foothold not just in the Bundesliga, but to, to keep pushing on in Europe as well. Because I do feel after that result midweek that this is a, a competition that this team can win. And if they can't get into the Champions League um, by their Bundesliga final place in, at the, um, in mid-May, I'm hoping that um, it's Baku, isn't it? That that they, they make an, an appearance in Baku in 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 spring because I think it would be great to see a German team back in a final and I know the Europa League gets a lot of scorn and it gets its nose turned up in certain parts of England um, but I think across the continent it's a very healthy and a very thriving competition and I would very much like to see Eintracht Frankfurt win it. Um, I don't think it can really say much about Hanover. I will leave that pleasure to Manu but um, it was uh, it was a good day at the office for Frankfurt and, and Adi Hutter and you know I'm a big fan of Hutter's and and his style of football and I really hope that Frankfurt are rewarded at the end of the season. And Manu, just to talk a little bit about that Shakhtar result, uh, what a performance, what an atmosphere, but not without a bit of controversy. Yeah, let's talk about the atmosphere first because this is the first time I've covered a game in a stadium. And I had to put in earplugs because it was so loud. I was actually hearing, hurting. Um, incredible. I think the Commerzbank Arena. Uh, dude, let's not even call it that. The Waldstadion. Let's give it its old, nice name. Um, 
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Probably the best stadium going experience in Germany for me at the moment. It's it's incredible. I mean that atmosphere and that ground is just absolutely insane. And you know, it's really too bad because this atmosphere could have even been better if it hadn't been for the police in Hesse, because um, the 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 president of the club um, Peter Fischer he gave an interview the day before saying. Uh, the stadium has to burn. Um, it has to. It has. It has to burn so hard that it will give. Uh, it will put um, tears in the journalist's eyes, and we can't see anything. And then, of course, the police took that as a suggestion that there would be uh, pyrotechnics burned in the ground, and um, they started searching the fan, the fan rooms. Even though the club very, very much communicated to police and the interior minister. Um, of Hesse that this will never be the case because of the ultras having very much worked and uh, towards getting getting fireworks and stuff out of the out of the curves because of the impending under because of the sanctioning that UEFA put on them right there under parole. So the police did it anyways, um, and then they found a banner that that was critical towards the police. They confiscated the banner, and as a result. The Frankfurt fans um, refused to put up the choreography before the game, which is really too bad. I mean, you saw throughout the stadium there was tons and tons of sheets of these uh, aluminum sheets that they were going to use to, um, to to make this display, which was supposed to be in red and silver, and I bet you would have looked absolutely amazing. Um, and it's really too bad that... You know the police work and the the work of the interior minister kind of kind of put a wrench in that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean the the performance four ones against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, Paulo Fonseca spoke, the head coach of, of Shakhtar Donetsk spoke after the game, and he didn't. He said we just couldn't deal with the side. It was it, they were unplayable at times. And uh, I think when you look at the overall result, um, this this Frankfurt side they now got Inter Milan. I can't see anyone really stopping them. Yeah, they've been somewhat impressive, haven't they, in Europe? And yeah, Inter Milan third in Saria. It's going to be a very tough battle for them. But Chris, let's talk about the other Sunday game in Borussia Dortmund, uh, winning three two against Bayer Leverkusen against their old side or old coach, should I say, Peter Bosk. What a result! It was a fabulous result, Bryce. And I think I learned a very valuable lesson. Um, don't nip to the toilet uh, because it was 1-0 and I came back and it was 2-1 and 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I normally try and wait. Uh, I don't like discuss my toilet habits, but I, I normally try and wait till half time. However, I couldn't. I gave in. Uh, I thought I'll just nip to the toilet very, very quickly. Uh, came back and I missed two goals, but it was it was a thrilling match um, and one that could have gone either way in the end. I think Dortmund just about survived um, a late assault by um, by Leverkusen, but what a difference this side is under Peter Bosch. It's so attractive to watch and okay, maybe not the best at the back, but I think that's just Peter Bosch's style. He doesn't care. Um, because if you score one, we'll score two. Um, didn't work out this way on Sunday, but that that's his, his style of play he wants to play. And they're just such an attractive side to watch. I think if we're going to say how good they are, if you've got Schalke on one side, who are just awful to watch, um, you've got Bayer Leverkusen on completely the other end of the scale. I, I would go so far as saying that at the moment, they are the most exciting side to watch play football in Germany because... Just the attacking talent they have. They've got a plethora of, of attacking quality, whether it's Bailey, whether it's um, Kai Havertz, whether it's Julian Brandt, whether it's Volland up top, whether it's um, even Weisser who can nip down the wing, Jonathan Tars getting involved, Sven Bender. Had, uh, just If you look at his um, average position, it's so high up the pitch um, for what a centre-back should be. It's, it's just a joy to watch. I said before, I'm not a fan of defensive football for the, the Bayern and Liverpool game. I am a fan of attacking football and I'm a very big fan of, of watching Bayern Leverkusen play at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, if we go back to you, Manu, would you say that then this mini crisis as sorts at Dortmund is is now over? Do you think they've, they've come out the other side of it? They are still three points clear. Um, this could have been much worse if they, if they hadn't won it. Yeah, um, I mean, they have to, of course, confirm the result next week, I believe, against Augsburg, right? Marco Royce will be back in the side, and um, another win uh, will put the pressure on Bayern. We'll have two very difficult games coming up. Yeah, things definitely looking good. Um, do we know at all when uh, Marco Royce is to return? He's returned. Perfect, even better for them, eh? Uh, well, you know, crisis averted, I suppose until the next few weeks. But let's talk a little bit about this hateful Monday night game. We've seen uh, Ragnick versus Nagelsmann. RB Leipzig 1, Hoffenheim 1. Chris, um, not the most of entertaining games, um, but um, an all-round draw seemed to be fair enough. Yeah, it did in the end. I thought it was a pretty dull game until about the 70th minute and it came to life a little bit. But yeah, Hoffenheim... Scored a scored a good goal, good um, good fast breakaway goal, and then I think Leipzig just hung on there and and obviously got the, a very late goal via their captain Willie Orban. But I thought Paulson was dreadful. I tweeted out at the time out of ninety minutes. Obviously, I haven't got the stats to hand, but I'm going to hazard a guess. Out of ninety minutes, he probably spent ten on his ass. He was just rolling round everywhere. Anywhere when anyone went near him or breathed on him, he wanted a foul. I thought he was terrible. I thought had he kept his his word all about him, he could have helped his team a lot better. Um, Kuna a little disappointing. Sabitzer had an off day. Um, Leipzig look a little bit iffy, but they've ground out a, a result at home. Um, it was obviously the the Nagelsmann derby, wasn't it? The, the team he's at now versus the team he's going to. So. Maybe a draw was was a fair reflection, but Hoffenheim once again 
can't see a game out until the end, leaky at the back. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much one to forget apart from the final few moments. Manu, have you got anything of interest to, to note or to say about this Monday night game? Uh, you didn't seem entirely happy about the, uh, well, the, just the game in general. Uh, no, Monday night games, not for me. But um, Joe Linton apparently is joining Newcastle for 55 million euros. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you know English football well, but I'm going to say that Newcastle haven't got the money to spend on that, do they? Uh, 55 million euros. I'd, li- I'd like to know where they get it from. Sports Direct run um, zero-hour contracts, and even House of Fraser pay their staff poorly. Uh, he's, he's got no money, has he, um, Mike Ashley? That, he's famous for it, as in he doesn't like spending money. Um, okay, they've, uh, they've, they've got a little bit with a striker that came in from, from the MLS, but, I mean, Joe Linton's a decent player. I, I would suggest he could go somewhere better than Newcastle. I just can't see Mike Ashley spending €55 million Euros on, on one player. Um, I would probably assume we're just about coming out of winter into early spring. And, oh, oh yeah, to that time of the year to renew your season ticket at Newcastle United and what could make you renew your season ticket a little better than apparently the club are going to spend 55 million euros. I can't see it, Bryce. I think it is a scam, which from um, Mike Ashley doesn't surprise me. I couldn't agree anymore, Chris. Um, I don't see them having the money. And, oh, season tickets, yeah, that that all seems... A little bit too coincidental in the timing, doesn't it? Um, but guys, that, that more or less does it. We've covered all the games, but we've got, obviously, this fairly new section. It's a few weeks old now. Team of the Week. Um, so let's rattle through them and then try and make a joint Team of the Week. So, um, Manu, let's let's hear yours first. Uh, yeah, I got Castiles in goal. Um, another great performance by him. And then in defense, Hinteregger from Frankfurt. Stark from Berlin um, played a very good game. Against Bayern, Sakadu um, scored scored for Dortmund. Then in midfield, I got uh, Kostic, um, Javi Martinez, of course, um, Gulavogi, Brandt, and then up front, Sancho Götze, who, by the way, um, <laughs> has been fantastic for him. I think Yogi Löw is, is going to call him back up. He's been excellent for Dortmund, uh, fantastic option up front, and um, doesn't get enough credit for... He looks just way more athletic these days, and I think um, he's definitely a player on the up. And then, of course, uh, yeah, Jovic once again. Um, I mean, there's a reason Bayern want him, um, Barcelona want him. He's a fantastic striker. I think all very fairly picked out. Um, Chris, I can only imagine that, um, as we always do, we're going to have some uh, players that uh, Manu's mentioned that you're going to, but um, would you give us your team of the week as well? Yeah, sure. Um, I've also gone for Castiles in goal. Um, I've gone for Aaron Zagadou and Leon Hart at the back. I thought individually they had good games. Uh, midfield, um, I've got back in uh, Grifo because I've got a lot of time for Grifo. Um, and I think my midfield's pretty similar to Manu's. I've got um, I've got Javi Martinez, um, Gilavuigi is in there, um, and then up front I've got I've got Harbour in there as well. I thought he had a, he had a brilliant game, brilliant weekend for him. Um, up front, I've been a little bit cheeky. Um, I've got Kostic up front because he he can play on the left hand side as a forward. Uh, I've got Jovic there, and I've got um, Jaden Sancho, who I thought had a, a fantastic game for Dortmund. And I will put Jaden Sancho in my team of the week anytime I can. 
Yes, of course. Uh, that youngster is playing out of his skin at the moment, isn't he, for Dortmund? But, uh, Manu, what, what does that mean? What players have we got that you both agreed on, and who do we need? Well, we got Castells, Sagadu, or Castells in goal, of course, Sagadu in defense. So we need two more defenders. We got um, Kostic, Golavuki, Javi Martinez. I guess if you put Kostic in, uh, up front or midfield, that will depend. Uh, and then we got Jovic and Sancho um, up front, um, depending on where we're going to put Kostic. So we got two more defenders to pick out, one striker, um, or, or two strikers, uh, no strikers, depending on where we're putting Kostic. And I think, Bryce, it's probably up to you to fill that team of the week. Okay, so let's let's have a go at this. Um, I'm going to go defense-wise, Martin Hederegger. I think he's um, played out of skin the last few weeks. Uh, another great performance this week. Um, then, yeah, Nicholas Stark is going to be the uh, next defender that I'm going to go for. Uh, yes, he was on the losing end against uh, Bayern, but uh, a very good um, bunch of battles from him. Very positive game. Um, midfield, I'm a big fan of Grifo as well. I, I, I think Chris is right. I mean, he did get a goal and an assist. I, I thought he, he played very brightly uh, for Freiburg I was then going to say a Kostic um, so what exactly does that mean are we putting Kostic in midfield or up front yeah, I think if for Frankfurt he plays more midfield out left but I, I Chris is quite right he's he can also play um, as a winger in a 4-3-3 so you know it really depends uh, what slot we want to fill uh, up front uh, you know we we either we either going to miss one midfielder or one striker i think the way it looks at the minute is is quite all right probably just needs one extra striker and, and that gives us a 3-4-3 three, three. yeah well I, I suppose let's go for mario Gertz as well i i think he's he's played very well the last few weeks as manu uh, mentioned and rightfully shows so should be uh, included in that German setup. Um, he, he's looked a completely different player uh, from earlier in the season. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty good um, team of the week. What, what do we think? I, I think I think that's yeah. good, Bryce. I think we should note that you've chosen Mario Götze to go in. So that is three Dortmund players in the team of the week from you. So if you've got any problem buying Munich fans, it's um, Bryce Dunn eleven on Twitter. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I, I only mentioned one of those players. The other players are picked by you, young man. Uh, I'm not getting dragged into this abuse as well. Um, on that note, we should probably end this podcast before we say or do anything else wrong. Um, Chris, uh, what have you got going on apart from getting to bed tonight, uh, this coming days? <laughs> what have I got on? Well, um, just normal Football grad stuff. Um, we'll have team of the week out um, sometime this week when you're listening to it. Check on the website, Um And then we're just building up to next weekend's games. And, and, and that's it. Oh, I've, I've got accreditation for um, 1860 Munich against Unterhaching. So I cannot wait for that. That is going to be as equally important to me. Um, on that match on the Tuesday as the Wednesday night game in the Allianz will be. Or the S-Bahn derby. Yes, that is what Chris was going to say, exactly. Um, you know all the right things to say, Chris, when Manu's on this podcast. Eh? Uh, Manu, uh, you're travelling back to Canada tomorrow, am I right? Yeah, and um, unfortunately, in some regards, of course, I'm happy to see uh, my other half. But yeah, um, I, have, I have MLS duty on Saturday, so I have to be back in Canada. 
Um, and you, you can find that work on uh, Pro Soccer USA. But yeah, over on Football Grad, Chris said it, uh, Team of the Week, uh, previews, this podcast, um, all that kind of stuff um, will be all, all coming out uh, throughout the week. I'll, I'll be working on the plane while flying back. So uh, fear not, there will be plenty of content. Yes, as always, there's plenty of content on Football Grad Live on Twitter. Uh, we may even, uh, the three of us, we were asked to put up our ideal Bundesliga. So, yes, a list of sides that we would pick if we could throw them all in together uh, for different reasons. They may be up online as well in the coming hours or days. So you feel free to check that out and give us your opinions. Always get on touch online. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter as Chris said. Thank you very much at Bryce Dunn11. Um, that more or less does it for this week. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And we will be back very soon with plenty more to talk about. I'm sure I'll feed us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.